Welcome to Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. As always, my name is John Vandergriff. I'm one of the owners and wealth planners here at Blue Ridge Wealth Planners. I'm joined by Zach Hill of you know, internet fame as operations team lead here, portfolio management team lead, uh, owner of Remedy Coffee. Zach also has an MBA, even though he doesn't acknowledge that when he signs <laughs> things. Um, but, but anyway, today what we want to do is go back and forth over uh, something that is a very timely story, but also talk about the practical implications of the wild world of GameStop stock <laughs> and what we saw transpire there, short selling, hedge funds, all that good stuff combined. Uh, but then talk about how that ultimately impacts you as an investor um, and what are some lessons that we can learn positive or negative from that. So um, with that as kind of framing our discussion, Zach, any, I guess a good starting place would be for those of the people that could care less or maybe haven't seen anything from that phenomenon, uh, you know, kind of frame that discussion, tell us what's happening and why this is actually, you know, a story to tell. Right. And it feels kind of silly to start talking about this because it's been, everybody's been talking about it. I mean, it made, when it's, when a, a single stock makes waves like this, it's just, it's wild to see the news outlets that are reporting on it. So just try to give a little bit of primer here and get into the details of what happened, why it happened and tell the real like tell kind of the real story instead of the sensationalized version yeah um because it really all started on a message board uh with and it's called the message board is reddit i'm sure most people have heard of that but um there was a specific culture on the message board that is dedicated towards day trading that's that's really what they do they're really they you'll see them called irreverent i'm not going to reference it because it's really it's a wild place but they are focused on day trading one thing that started gathering steam is they all just want, wanted to start trading GameStop stock. They thought actually the the real story was that they started purchasing it for a value stock, and so they started uh, buying up the stock. And as they started buying it, more and more people started jumping in, and it was kind of a self fulfilling prophecy because as more people were talking about it, more people bought it, and the price went up, and then more people started talking about it, and more people bought it. And so what you had was a company which was GameStop, which, like I said, most Game, most people thought GameStop was a dead company. I mean, as we start talking about the other companies they did this with, they were picking companies that were dead in the water. If you think about it, you think of BlackBerry, Nokia, AMC Theaters, uh, GameStop. Yeah, it, all these are just... If you made a portfolio of all of these stocks, you know, yeah, it's I like was, 2007. I was joking um, with my wife and said, JCPenney's is next. Yeah. Like, we're, like <laughs> we're looking for companies that are almost bankrupt because they, they were just day trading essentially penny stocks. And yeah. so when you're trading stocks that aren't traded very often, just that sheer momentum and the volatility of that can cause the price to go up because more and more people are buying it. Probably more people bought GameStop at the beginning of this in you know a five-day period than have bought that stock in the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years. That's I'm just guessing at that, but that's what it seems like. So yeah. as they did that, the price started increasing and it just kept going up and up and up. Um, and then it started bleeding over into other dead companies, like we said. But the real there's a lot of different angles to take this so one people were day trading and causing the price to go up two it was all retail investors for the most part wall street and hedge funds were actually short the stock and so what happens is uh, they were short so they were betting against the company they were that's what what it's called when you sell a company is you short it uh and so you sell shares in hopes that the price goes lower so 
Wall Street had, was on the opposite side of this. And so normally, if you think about the historical trend of stock markets and everybody thinks, you know, if you think Wall Street is bad or good, however you think about it, Wall Street's normally ahead of the game on most of these things. And they got caught off guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so retail investors were buying up a stock that Wall Street was betting against and Wall Street got caught off guard. So it created an even more self-fulfilling prophecy because then Wall Street had to cancel all their trades. So they had to buy in. So mm-hmm. as they were buying in, GameStop went from $5 to $483 per share in a matter of weeks. Yeah. And so we're looking at, I don't even know what the percentage return on that. I could tell you it's that's in, we're looking at hundreds of thousands of percentage of return here. Right. Uh, so, I mean, it's just, if you had bought one share for five bucks, you could have turned that into $480 in a matter of weeks. So, yeah. uh, so that's what happened, um, is they just started trading and driving the price up and it caught wall street off guard. Yeah. Uh, and so when that, when that happens, wall street has to buy in and then wa- people on wall street lose a lot of money. There were hedge funds that were short the stock and one hedge fund lost 53% on this trade. And, and talk for those that don't understand some of the short like process. Like, yeah. So if you uh, want to uh, bet a, bet on a company, so you want I say bet, but you want to buy a company. You say I believe in Apple. I believe what they do. I want to buy a share of stock. Well, if you there's also a flip side to that. If you think that a company is you know overvalued, oh, yeah, or, overvalued. Yeah. You don't like their future prospects. Some of them, as you see with GameStop, you're like this company's already you know the market environment has moved on past the company, and the company didn't adapt. So you want to bet against it. So what you do is the process called shorting. And when you short a stock, uh, what you're doing is selling it, but you have to borrow that share from somebody else. So you say, hey, I want to bet against this company. John, you own a share of this. Why don't you lend it to me and I will sell it? Mm-hmm. And then you can still own it, um, but I want to sell it. And then you know I'll give it back to you at some future date. Well, what happens is if I want to sell this stock at $100, and then it drops to 50 and I say, okay, I'm done. I'll buy it back at 50. I'll give you the stock back, but I keep that $50. Yep. Um, so what happens is if you bet against a company, it goes, well, I make my $50. You still have your GameStop stock. All is well and good. But if the flip side happens and it goes up to $150 instead of down to 50. So I bought, I borrowed it from you, sold it at $100, and then you want it back at 150 because you want to sell it. Mm-hmm. Well, now I have to what they call cover and I have to go buy it at $150, I lose 50%, and then you have the, you have your stock back and you can sell it. Yep. Because you technically still own it. Right. So you can kind of control what you what you want to do with that. So as this was happening, they call it the short squeeze. That was happening all over the place because the price kept going up, and all these people had to start buying the shares back that they had sold at a much higher price because the original owners wanted them back. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes that's a bank. A lot of times that's a bank. Banks step in, and they have a pool of shares that they can just loan for companies to short and for hedge funds to short. Um, but they wanted their shares back because the price was going up. And yeah. so they needed they needed that capital. And so what happened is Wall Street had to buy in at the same time retail investors were buying in and it created just days where stocks were doubling or tripling in value because so many people were buying these companies that had not traded in a long time yeah. that frequently. And so where where the news outlets started getting involved here is when you had some uh, day trading platforms or, you know, brokerage services, yeah. however you want to identify that, that wouldn't let people buy anymore right. stock. And so <laughs> talk about from your perspective, you know, because there was some... 
So, like, I'll talk about Robinhood, you know, uh, as as one of those entities. You know, they would they would only let people sell. They wouldn't let people buy. And so people started getting on message boards and news outlets and saying, like, this is a crime. You know, Wall Street's trying to protect the rich and right. not let people buy in. But then um, Robinhood comes out and says that, you know, they had more uh, cash demand than what they had, which is what explained, um, you know, their – Right. Uh, inability to buy. Talk a little bit about that from whether you feel like that is legitimate <laughs> or not. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense from that aspect, but I think that there was, you know, a lot of people were upset, rightfully so, because it seemed like Wall Street was out to protect those that were in it from right. this resurgence of outsiders, if you want to use that terminology, uh, trying to drive up and, and bankrupt you know, a hedge fund that maybe right. they had done business with longer. Yeah. And I, so that's an interesting scenario because I, when you look at it, the stock market seems on the surface can seem really simple. I want to buy a share of the company. I go and buy it. Uh, and then I own it and it goes up in value long-term. That's a very simple explanation of what happens in the stock market. But the actual plumbing on the under, they call it the plumbing, but everything that's going on that makes all those things feasible is very complicated. And I can't even begin to act like I understand everything that happens <laughs> right. when I hit, if I were to go onto Vanguard and hit the buy button, buy button, I like, there are so many things that go into that process that I think is, uh, is more complicated. So I think that Robinhood actually having way more trades placed on that platform than they probably had at, at one point in time in a single stock. I think there is something to yeah. to that. They it's there's a lot more that goes on there, so they wouldn't have done that because I do think it goes against everything they had said they they were for, and I I don't think it was exclusively just them yeah. saying like oh we're gonna you know we're not gonna let these people do this because we are we get a significant portion of our revenue from this hedge fund yeah but. That is true. There's a huge conflict of interest there that you have to shed light on that says, okay, that might be the that might be the main reason, but you cannot deny that that you derive something like 40% of your revenue from this hedge fund that was short GameStop stock and then you didn't let people buy the stock. Right. That that is also true. So, it's I think that you I think that people saying it's all a conspiracy, that's a really bad takeaway here is to say that this is all some conspir- some big conspiracy. I think the main takeaway is, one, we don't understand what's happening behind the scenes, yeah. uh, like from just the financial plumbing perspective or anything else. But two, it's still a conflict of interest, regardless yeah. of whether I, I – I really don't think that it's 100% you know, Robin Hood's fault. I think there was some financial plumbing issues there. But it's still a really, yeah. really big conflict of interest. Yeah, you can't deny it. And, I mean, there's enough smoke there to think that there's fire, right. you know, with it not <laughs> – Right. Being, you know, I think that's the unfortunate part because we we as individuals want to believe that we can do whatever, you know, <laughs> but but the lack of clarity on like you talked about some of the plumbing, I think, is where, mm-hmm. you know, we, we are restricted uh, yeah. in a lot of ways. And those that may have an inside track have, you know, I say inside track people that are you know, hedge managers or maybe have more money in the mm-hmm. system, have more of a financial means to be able to make things happen at a speed that if you're a casual investor, you can't expect to match. Right. You know, so. Yeah. And there's a lot going on there that quite frankly, and I think we'll 
talk about the takeaways in a minute, but I think that that's an important take, like an important takeaway is that it, there are a lot of different sides to this and there's a lot of different people call it a game. And there's a lot of times where you can say like, we're not retail investors just aren't playing the same game as hedge yeah. fund, as people in hedge funds. It's just, it really is a lot different sometimes. And I would say though, that the, the issue and hopefully this allows not only light to be shed on the conflicts of interest, but also the lack of awareness, like you talked about, with just how those processes work. Right. And I think that is what puts a lot of retail investors at a significant disadvantage anyway, mm-hmm. you know, because of the lack of information where you're working against a hedge fund that, you know, has however much training, yeah. you know, behind the people that are actually doing the trading versus somebody who just yeah. establishes a, a online account somewhere and then they just have money in their pocket right. and they could do something you know it's it's a different yeah. game and quite yeah and quite frank, frankly the rules are different there's I, I think there's a lot of validity to the investor sentiment and the anger that goes into the fact that that's the case but that is yeah. the case and so that's a this this just completely sheds light on all of that is that it is such a different scenario that he, and that hedge funds are trading in different environment that they're trading in versus the retail investor uh and you can argue whether that's good or whether that's bad because quite frankly i don't need to know i'm i don't need to know all the mechanics of what happens when i hit buy on vanguard it's just it's not really beneficial for me to know because it it shouldn't really ever affect me or impact me if i'm investing in the right way and investing for the long term yeah whether i get a hundred dollars or a hundred dollars and one cent on my price you know Vanguard's giving me what they call best execution, and so I'm getting that, and it's and I'm fine with it. Hedge funds really mat that penny really matters to them and people who are trading on Wall Street. But for me, I'm just it's really not that big of a difference. But the game is different. Yeah, and, and so you know, as we look at that, I, I think that's important to recognize the differences, but then also talk about you know how it infect, or right. affects individuals and and what we should do about it. So, Zach, you know, as we look at this, um, you know, we always want to look at what's happening in the world, but then also talk about uh, how it impacts most people, how we should think about this from a big picture perspective. Mm -hmm. So uh, what are some takeaways that you have? I'll add, you know, kind of my own spin to those. But, you know, what what would you say for the person listening to this? What can be gleaned from this in in a positive or negative manner? Yeah. So. The first thing is all about risk tolerance, and yep. it's it, this is just such an important study on human behavior and what happens, and you know whether people can or can't day trade. And I think what we saw is if you've heard about it on the Wall Street Journal and you've heard about it on Fox News or some other news outlet that you're watching, it's too late. Wall Street's already passed you up. the The traders have already passed. The it's there were so many people that were trying to trade based on news outlets that got burned on this. Mm-hmm. I think it's important to note that because we say this all the time, but invest for the long term. And when you're trading stocks, sometimes in the same day, buying and selling, that is not the long term. That's not investing. Yeah. That's and so I think this was really important for that because this was something you blink and you miss it. I mean, we were looking at the stock was trading up and down on 60, 70% moves, which we're looking at. If you think just quick, dirty, not really accurate math is 10% move a year in the S&P 500 and it moves 70% and one stock moves 70% in a day. Well, you're getting sometimes seven, eight years worth of gains in a matter of hours. But that also goes the other way. You're getting those losses as well. So 
this is one of those things that if you really don't understand what's going on, you just need to stay away. Yeah. Because if you traded and you just traded on the wrong minute, you could sometimes lose money on this. And even, you know, we talked about a different game that hedge funds and individuals are paying. But, I mean, the the risk lesson was learned by the hedge funds because think of yeah. all the training they have, and they lost yeah. billions of dollars. You know, so, I mean, yeah. it's you can't enter this marketplace and not be willing to risk what you're putting into it right. or more. You know, exactly. I mean, if you're – and that's something where, um, you know, hopefully this shines a light on how dangerous shorting stocks can be yeah. for the average investor. Because, I mean, it's one of those where, like, it can't just stop at zero. Like, you can't just uh, have $100 in and then that be your risk tolerance. If you short something and it obligates you to yep. more than you have, then guess what? Yep. You've messed up. You know, so I think it's a good lesson to learn for some people. But also... um you know, it is for those yeah. people that were individually investing and did it late. I mean, they didn't have any upside potential, you know, from the aspect right. of, you know, that wave was already crashing and you were trying to get your surfboard out and, you know, hit the rocks, unfortunately. <laughs> exactly. And the craziest thing about this is the hedge funds are right. GameStop, for the long term, is not a good company. That's, I mean, that they've been essentially dead in the water for years. The hedge funds were not wrong, but enough retail investors just jumped in that this was not a fundamental story. It GameStop was the vehicle for all of the investor behavior. It wasn't mm-hmm. necessarily anything to do with GameStop. They just picked it. They just picked it. They picked yeah, it, it could have been any company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, and we saw that. They started picking some other peripheral companies, but it primarily manifested in GameStop. And so that, like you said, you wouldn't recommend shorting a stock. I, I mean, it's hard enough for me to s- tell people to buy an individual company because you've got to really know the in and out of that company, yeah. let alone to bet against it. So those things, I think it's definitely a study on what your risk tolerance is, is just looking at that and saying, can can I stomach this? I couldn't do this. I would be watching it every, you know, every 30 seconds, I would be looking and refreshing the price to see what was going on. And so and it just I know that my behavior would make the wrong call at the wrong time because this there's no rationale to this. Yeah. This is this is not a there's no story other than people are buying it. And so you're like, OK, well, how many people can buy this? I don't know. There's there's six million people on that Reddit forum that and if they all bought one share. OK, but if they all bought 10 shares, it start you know, you just yeah. don't really know what's going on here. And so just st- I think it's just a lesson of like you can have some fun. You know, if you this was really fun, but this is not investing. Yeah. And it's It's, super unrealistic, both from a a risk potential (laughs) for most investors, but also a gain potential for most investors. And you're and you're going to see people who made a lot of money on this. There were average people, everyday people that were talking about how much money they made on this. And if they sold out and captured those gains, that is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But guess what? Every now and then someone wins the lottery. Yep. And that doesn't make you want to put your life savings into the lottery. So don't right. just, this is exactly what this was. Some people got really lucky and some people spent all their life savings on a lottery ticket and lost a lot of money. And it shows you the the extreme risk because I think when, when you look at index-based investing versus individual stock investing, you know, one of the craziest things to me is just how much movement those, co- and, and we're just looking at the S&P 500, which is the 500 largest companies in a, in you know, the market. So right. as we look at that, you know, inside of those 500 companies, not even the lower ones, <laughs> uh, you can have stocks that will move in a year's time easily 100%, yeah. you know, and then lose 70, 80%. But then you look at the tr- 
of those 500 together yep. and that's where you're following nice like last year a you know 16% return but inside of that so i think another thing that this can show people is the difference of investing in individual stocks versus having more of a broad diversified approach right. you know and, and the benefits and you know cuz i mean if you call it right you can make really good money in individual stocks yep. if you call it wrong you can lose everything that you put in it yep you know, so, but where an index will allow you to smooth that out, as you said, on both ends of the spectrum, where realistically, uh, you shouldn't be in a risk to lose all of your money in right. a broad market index. You know, I mean, you'd say that. Yeah, exactly. I, that's, and that it would have just, to be kind of a catastrophic event <laughs> that would cause something like that where the world is burning if that, yeah, if yeah. that happens. So that's, and that's what this is a study on is investor behavior, risk behavior, risk tolerance. The benefits of diversification. I mean, it's that that's all encompassed in this one thing because you saw so many people trying, so many re regular everyday people trying to make a quick buck or turn something around with large amounts of their portfolio, and it's just you don't really know the risk that's going on when you don't even know what you're buying into. You're like, yeah, I'm buying GameStop. Well, you weren't really buying GameStop. You're buying a lot yeah, of this, this phenomena. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're buying you're buying a headline, and so that's just really really bad. I mean. It's not good decision making for investing. Right, I'll say that. You know, if you want to, if you're, if this is your fun money, have at it. You know, it's it's betting red or black at the roulette table here. Yeah. Um, and so again, along those lines, I, I think it would be good to frame this in a context of, you know, if you're sitting around the dinner table with somebody, what what do you want them to gain from this? Because, you know, I think from my perspective, the the positives of everything that's happening here is it got in my opinion a lot of people investing money that wouldn't invest money otherwise now right. they maybe lost all of it you know like but let's they say they put, yeah yeah let's say they put two hundred dollars in to gamestop or you know whatever they bought um and they lost it all <laughs> you know, yeah it, it at least got them exposed to some aspect of the investment world where what we're seeing in America is an overwhelming majority of people that have not done a good job saving money mm -hmm. and investing uh, so I think the positives are anytime you can shed some light on the gain potential it should hopefully attract some investors to play the game you know right. the, the broad game not the hedge fund versus individuals game but um play the game of just putting money in and seeing what happens, you right. know, and, and leaving it in there long enough period of time to where you can glean the benefits from it. Right. Um, so what would you say if you're talking to somebody, um, you know, and let's say they're just hearing the hoopla of it and wanting to know what this means, you know, what, what good advice can you give somebody listening yeah. that wants to know that? I think there's two primary things. One is, this is an incredible learning opportunity. Like mm -hmm. you said, it, it it gets people interested in investing. Even if somebody got in, I think one of the best things you can do as a young investor is try to invest in something like this and lose money. I think it's a great learning experience because over the long term, what you will learn more about yourself, more about your risk appetite, and more about the importance of diversification in your por portfolio. Yep. I think all of those things are fantastic. Uh, and it's so this learning opportunity in just human behavior and risk tolerance is probably the most important thing that could happen, especially for young investors. And I say that because those are the ones who can lose the most and have the opportunity to make it back. Yeah. So I hope that there weren't there weren't any older investors that learned learned a lesson a little bit too late. But uh, just well, I think it's interesting because I agree with that 100. percent But isn't it 
interesting where it's only a learning opportunity if you got burned. Right. I think. Right. If you if you made I I said this before. I said one of the worst things that's going to happen is that people are going to think they're smart coming out of this, mm-hmm. and you just got lucky. It's like I, I keep I'm I feel like I'm very correct in uh, making the comparison to the lottery in that if you if I win the lottery I know I'm not smart I know I just got lucky but people in this I think it's going to be really dangerous for people who think that they made money because they were smart and then they go and start day trading stocks and realize at the end of the day oh no diversification is important yeah so I think that that learning experience is really good and the second thing I think is I do think there's some value in the narrative here Mm. I think the story that we're going to learn about what happened is so important because there's a because this was a lot of everyday people they call retail investors and so retail investors piled into this for a reason i do think that 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 main street versus wall street uh dynamic that we've seen in in a lot of facets of american life over the last four or eight years really played itself out here and i think that narrative is very interesting because it was a lot of everyday people going on robin hood and buying two shares of gamestop hedge funds are trading thousands and thousands of this of shares of this stock every day. And it was a lot of retail investors just kind of piling in and saying, you know what? I think, you know, we want to cause some, there were people who said we want to cause pain to wall street here. Yeah. And so that narrative, there's some, there's some interesting lessons I think that go outside of the scope of investing and kind of outside of the scope of what we normally talk about here, but of that wealth inequality, the wall street versus main street. We were talking about earlier with the 2008 financial crisis, not a single baker went to jail. And there's a lot of people who still are hurting financially from that. And so those people just having a lot of that uh, motivation and things to really go in and say, you know what, hedge funds, you're betting against this company. Well, I'm going to try to, you know, I'm going to try to inflict some pain on you and cause you to close out your short position uh, and, you know, squeeze out the shorts and cause these hedge funds. Like I said, hedge funds are losing 53% on this in a month. That's when you're talking about billions of dollars here, that's a lot of money. But so that narrative is, I think, is very interesting. And I would want to, you know, I would hope that somebody would take a broader perspective and look at that and see that there were actual, you know, reasons that humans were making this behavior other than just to try to get rich quick or something like that, that there yeah. was an underlying narrative here uh, that I think is very important. But overall, it's just and learning the lesson about investor behavior and then learning the lesson about humans as well and seeing exactly what was causing this. Yeah, and I think the the other side of that perspective too, because I, I do agree with you. You know, I think the sentiment for a lot of people is that you know the system is rigged and I can't. And so I think anytime you can get voices that can come together on that to create more transparency, I think that's a good thing. Right. You know. Um, but I think it's also important to touch on the fact that if you did nothing. And you didn't even know this was happening. Uh, All of the events that were talked about with this had little to no impact on the broad market. (laughs) You know, I mean, it was just like, this is such a, you know, small thing. This is like a squabble in a 10,000 person community in the world, you know, like. Exactly. So, it's, and it was it, it impacted a lot of people. But like you said, this never would have happened in Amazon. Yeah, it never would have happened in Apple. They chose GameStop because they saw an opportunity to use this as a vehicle for their voice and what and at the beginning. And so, yeah, it it wouldn't have happened in Amazon. Wouldn't it? it's not going to happen in the S P five hundred and a lot of those companies? It just isn't possible. And so, I think for many people listening, the the thing that we need to know is how 
with the right type of diversification, you can build something that these one-off events aren't going to damage, you know, um, you're not going to get the crazy benefit from it. But like we said, you, you hopefully have learned over time enough about broad investing to see that that is a strategy that over time works, but also allows you to protect from somewhat of worst case scenarios, not worst case scenarios from the broad market itself, you know, because if the market goes right. down, it's going to have a worst case market return. But, but you know, trying to eliminate bankruptcy risk from your ledger, exactly. you know, and uh, trying to make sure that you're not creating shortcuts, you know, with the way that you're saving money, which is ultimately what lottery and some of that stuff is trying to do. People believe that there's a way to cut the line, you know, right. so to speak. And, and what this shows is, yeah, you know, you can have more negative impacts from that than positive. But if you get on a disciplined plan and you just do what you should be doing over time, you can have some right. positive results that are, you know, protected from these one-off scenarios. So I think, you know, a couple of things to glean there, you know, is, is just there will be another top of this that happens. You know, a game, it won't be GameStop probably, but it'll be somebody else. And then it'll be something where, you know, it, it will continue to teach lessons. But I think anytime we can have those lessons learned, it can be a positive thing for people as mm-hmm. we move forward. But also to see the value of, you know, looking at what worst case scenarios are and thinking of those as a reality now. You know, right. I think a lot of the hedge funds um, out <laughs> they, there are reconsidering some of the things that yeah, they're doing. They got you know, caught off guard big time. And, and kind of re, regrouping after that. <laughs> you know, there were probably some hedge funds that said, oh, well, that sucks for them. We're going to short this stock at $400 a share and repeat the cycle and make money yeah. off somebody else's expense. But <laughs> that's just the, the, day, the way Wall the market works. At the end of the day, Wall Street always wins at yeah. aggregate. There's, some, there's always a winner up there somewhere. But like you said, they there were a lot of hedge funds that took a very concentrated risk in this that got burned. And it's it's a lesson that even the experts overlook can overlook certain types of risks and are not immune to investor behavior. Yeah. So, so hopefully this was beneficial to you. If you do have any questions, uh, send those to us, info at blueridgewealth.com, and either Zach or I or somebody here can you know get back to you. But uh, hopefully you enjoyed this discussion. Stay disciplined with your investing. Uh, stay broad if you're going to be in the stock market and you know only risk what you're willing to lose. Um, uh, but as far as our show today, that's Back and Forth with Blue Ridge Wealth. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Blue Ridge Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor. Securities offered through Madison Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC, MAS, and Blue Ridge Wealth Planners are not affiliated companies.